as you take your seat, why don't you put your hands together for Kathy and Shari and Regine and Greg. Been leading us so well, and it's been great to be able to sing together, and you guys are sounding great. So it's wonderful to be back doing the things we like to do. And whilst we think about the things we like to do, I want you to imagine Christmas. Imagine Christmas Day, and sky's the limit. Uh, what's your perfect Christmas lunch going to look like? Now, maybe you don't have one planned. Don't worry. Just imagine you do. What's on the table? On my table is a thing that I've invented in my own mind called a plam. You know, a turducken where you've got the, the, the chicken in the duck in the turkey? Well, a plam is where you've got lamb inside pork. So you get the yummy lamb, but with pork crackling. Straight to the pool room. So, I want you to imagine the table. Now, who's around the table? Who's with you? Who do you want at the table? It's okay to imagine who you don't want at the table. It's allowed. It's okay. Place of forgiveness. So, imagine that. Um, now, I say probably there, there might be someone you want at the table who can't be at the table. Feel free to imagine that they are. Feel free. The sky's the limit. Everyone you want is there. It's perfect. Get the perfect Christmas lunch going with the perfect people. Oh, take a moment. Who's even sitting next to you? Who's the person? Parents, you can play favorites in this. It's allowed. Who's sitting next to you? Who are you pulling a bonbon with? What color is your little hat? Is your joke funny? Is your little toy fun? Uh, all these things. Okay, now everything's working just right. Are you in your Christmas space? You're in your Christmas happy place? You've gone there? Okay, now that you're there, there's a knock at the door. And you're like, we weren't expecting anybody. And the only thing louder than this breaking knock at the door is the rabble of voices you hear outside. You open the door, and there's a mob outside. There's all these people that are like, woohoo, we made it, awesome, we're here to share Christmas with you. And some of them are on phones and stuff going, yeah, yeah, we found the place. Yeah, just come past Chico's and turn right, keep going. Yeah, yeah, that's, come on down. It's, it's all ready. And all these people are ready to walk into your house. Do you know what's just happened? Your Christmas luncheon has gate crashes. Now, gate crashes are a scary thing to have a party because they're uninvited guests. They come with their own plans. They come with their own guests. They come with their own concept of when the party ends, when the party starts, how far the party goes, and what can happen at the party. And you've now got gate crashes at your Christmas. If you can imagine those things, you're ready to imagine the first Christmas as Matthew reported it to us in the reading we just heard. Because Matthew's Christmas gathering starts with gate crashes. And the gate crashes are these guys called the Magi. Now, you know what we're like as people? When things are awkward, when things are uncomfortable and bumpy, we tend to smooth them out. Oh, you know, that's interesting. Interesting is one of those words that semantic, its semantic range has been stretched beyond comprehension. No one wants to say, that's really bad. That's really ugly. That's, that's interesting drawing, sweetie. Um, we smooth things. And so we sing things like, we three kings of Orient are. We don't know that, there were, that these guys were kings at all. We don't even know that there are three of them. We know they had three gifts. My hunch is, if I'm traveling through the ancient world, and I've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh on board, I want a few more than two of my buddies traveling with me, particularly when I've come from a strange land. 
what we've got here is a caravan, most likely. Camels and gear like that. They've come from a foreign place. And they've turned up. And we don't know that they're kings, but what we do know is that they're called magi. So we've got this group of people arrived unannounced. They're called magi. What's magi? Well, a magi is, uh, it could be a wise man. It could be a wisdom seeker. But maybe not a wisdom seeker by normal means. I mean, these guys like looking at the stars. So I don't know. Maybe they're Sagittarius. Maybe they're something else. But they seem to be into stargazing. They may well be sorcerers. Magi sounds like magician for a reason. These guys are from another land, different customs, customs that probably Jewish people, a good guy like Joseph, Mary's husband, would be going, whoa, 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 weren't we warned about you guys and your customs? I think we got gate crashes here. And do you know what? Even Matthew's gospel's been smoothed out a little bit in our reading this morning. Now remember, English, not the Bible's first language. And so Matthew, when he announces, doesn't calmly and nicely say, oh, and more people came, wasn't it nice? He says, behold, which is the effect of, I think, when Americans speak, I love it when they go, look it. Have you ever heard an American say, look it? Eight o'clock, I'd never heard of an American saying, look it. And I suggest they hang out with more Americans. I love it when they're like, look it. It's check it out. It's like, what the? Matthew says, what the? Magi, and he doesn't just say, came, appeared. There's kind of a language of mystery here because there are strange folks who have rocked up at the doorstep unannounced. There's a bunch of them, and they don't look like us. They don't sound like us. They probably don't smell like us. They don't dress like us. They're different to the point of, we've kind of been warned off some of their stuff. And so the first Christmas is a Christmas gathering with gate crashes. But would you believe, though the Magi are unexpected guests and are foreign from who Israel's Messiah, you might expect to have at his hospital visit, wasn't a hospital, but you know what I mean, there's a bigger gate crashing incident. The biggest and most unexpected gate crasher at the first Christmas is actually God. And then you might recoil in religious piety and say, Shane, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Psalm 24, verse 1. How could you call God a gatecrasher? Well, because God has done something quite unusual here. He's broken realms. Let me put it like this. Okay, you're playing chess, right? You own the chessboard. You own the pieces. And as the game advances, all of a sudden you go, hmm. And you step into the chessboard. You would be a gatecrasher of, of kinds, even though you own the... You stepped into a realm that isn't normally yours to possess. And Matthew works really hard in his first two chapters to show that God is a gatecrasher, that God in Christmas has invaded another realm. God has broken in. In the Ancestry.com chapter 1 of Matthew, a genealogy, you've got all these odd twists and turns in the very human genealogy, but every now and then God goes, not like that, like this. Not like that, like this. And he breaks in and changes how things should advance. Picks people you wouldn't expect to be part of Israel's Messiah's family heritage. Even when Joseph, this good Jewish man who's about to get married to a woman called Mary, God even gate crashes him. Guy's just trying to plan a wedding. All of a sudden, God gives him a dream. 
As if a dream wasn't enough, God goes, I know, I'll pick a great character for the dream. I'll put an angel in the dream. And the angel's going to tell you, uh, by the way, your fiance's pregnant, mate. Don't divorce her quietly. Stick with it. Kind of invasive. God invades the skies, the whole cosmos. He places a star, not an insignificant body. He places a star in space that can be seen. He invades there again. God invades the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. She becomes pregnant, this junior high girl. Now, she wasn't expecting that. The gate crasher has come again. It's God. And ultimately, perhaps the biggest gate crashing, invasive, breaking in event of Christmas is actually the birth of Jesus. Why? Because Matthew told us he's going to be called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And so this is crazy stuff because when we read so much of the Bible, we learn big. Bible kind of words about God, where God is described as being what's called transcendent. We aren't you transcendent? You need that. Uh, like when you play chess, you're outside of the chessboard and you're moving parts around. You're transcendent. But that day you went and stepped onto Black Square, you became imminent. So what God has done, the transcendent God at Christmas, in this Christmas event, has gate-crashed his creation and stepped in, and the transcendent has become imminence. The one who the Bible stresses is holy, holy, separate, not like everything else. The one who, when his presence descends upon the mountain, Moses is told, warn the people, don't go near the mountain, stay separate, because that's God's holy mountain. Now God is going to become so common that he takes on human flesh in this baby and is found lying in a manger. This Christmas is a Christmas event with gate crashing. And here's what I would say to you this morning. Christmas, Christmas is an event where God breaks in so humans can break out. Christmas is an event where God is breaking in so that humans can break out. Break out of what? Well, if you will continue to read Matthew's story of Jesus, the life of Jesus that comes after Christmas, Matthew will show you that Christmas was an event where God breaks in so humans can break out. Break out of what? Break out of darkness. Jesus comes and he says in chapter 4, a great light has dawned to those living in darkness. See, from the very beginning, God, with the coming of the Magi, has shown that Jesus isn't just for his kind. We love our kind, don't we? Take note. Look at Greg, Ann, and myself, all wearing the same pants this morning. How much like attracts like. But God says, even for the non-khaki chino wearer, Jesus is for you. Jesus comes... God breaks in so humans can break out of darkness, break out of the people divide that exists. It's probably a lesson that's helpful for us today. We've lived in a world for a long time where the concept of Jesus was an Anglo kind of soft-looking man on a stained glass window. Not terribly historical in representation, meaning perhaps that today 
people will tell you that Christianity is dying. Oh yeah, the churches are in decline. And yet we heard, spoken from this very platform just a few months ago, that 9,000 people come to Christ a day in Africa. That the gospel is exploding in China. And so maybe the challenge both to the wider media and maybe the challenge to me and you is to think, what does a Christian look like? Does a Christian look like that Anglo soft Jesus of the stained glass? Is Christianity dying? Or is it just that God has chosen to move the center of where Christianity is? And you won't be able to tell who's Christian and who's not Christian by their skin color, their creed, their smell, their diet, or any of that sort of stuff. But what they say about the risen Jesus. God broke in, so humans can break out. Break out of guilt. You know, so much of the Bible tells us about God's fantastic, holy, perfect standard, his law. You know the problem with perfection? shows up my imperfection it shows up my dysfunction now this is very self-conscious for me because I'm the only one on a platform under lights with a microphone am I the only one here who wants to acknowledge their dysfunction is there someone out there who will also thank you guys someone else who wants to acknowledge their dysfunction thank you thank you thank you we are not alone wonderful to be dysfunctionally together Now, what the Bible teaches us is that the dysfunction I have against God's perfect standard is called sin, and I'm found guilty under this sin. I'm found short of the life giver's ways, and I'm on a a death-bound journey. I deserve death. The God broke in so that humans can break through, and Jesus comes, doesn't stay a baby, grows to be a man, and dies on the cross in my place. He really steps into the chessboard, doesn't he? And just when I was going to be the one who got it, he takes it for me. And so my guilt is removed. God broke in so we can break out of guilt. God broke in so we can break out of every nasty hold we have. People like me are always striving, wanting to be enough. Jesus says, you don't need to do that. If you're heavily burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. People who, like me, sometimes someone does something against me and I'm like, you owe me a debt. Jesus says, no, be like me. Release them, forgive them. And likewise, be forgiven and be released from that nasty hold. And most wonderfully, God breaks in so we can break through and overcome the thing that holds every human captive, which is death. Because Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. He beat death and broke through once more. The Christmas event is where God breaks in so that humans can break Worth celebrating, huh? Worth getting excited about, huh? Worth receiving a warning about as well. Like a good Christmas gift. You know, you get this Christmas gift, it's a wonderful toy, and the package has the smiling kid on it, playing games, and the dad who's better looking than you and me, and he's having fun too, and the mum's like, and the whole family's having a great time. But it also comes with a warning on the box that says, warning, don't eat the batteries, they'll kill you. Uh, There are other gifts that should come with warnings as well, that what a grandparent, I'm looking at you Barnett, what a grandparent thought was a great fun singing toy is likely to drive a parent insane. There's two sides to the equation. Let me show you the two sides to the Christmas equation because it needs to come with a warning. Around about the 4th century, a church leader called Augustine 
said this of the good news about Jesus. The gospel brings comfort to the afflicted, but it will afflict the comforted. And the gospel brings comfort to the afflicted, but it will afflict the comfortable. And that's exactly what we see in Matthew chapter 2 with a guy called King Herod and these mysterious magi who turn up. Herod is a guy who I would describe as disturbed and detained. He and all of Jerusalem with him. You see, when Jesus comes, what do we read? Verse 2 and 3. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born, the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Here you go. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. You see, Herod and all of Jerusalem with him were quite settled in where they, where they are. We are the Jews. We are God's people. We've arrived and I'm the king. And now Jesus has come. He has broken and he wants to break me out, not just of the captivity I'm in, but maybe the safe space I'm in. He wants to take me on a journey with him. I might have to react, move and change. And so the detained, the stagnated ones are disturbed. But the Magi, I would describe as wandering and worshipful. God invaded their space, popped the star in the air, and they said, we're ready to be led. And they came, and they wandered. And why did they wander? We have come to worship him. We've come to receive him. So here's the in so that humans can break out. But Jesus has come not to break you out of whatever holds you so you can stay where you are. Jesus has come for your response. Jesus has come to move you and move me. And if I receive the God who's broken in, the God who broke in so I can break out, he's going to take me somewhere. And so warning to you, if you celebrate Christmas this year, if you acknowledge Christmas this year, if you will receive Jesus this year, prepare for a journey. Prepare for disturbance. Prepare for God to do a work and change you. Because Christmas is an event where God breaks in so that people can break out and nobody breaks out so they can stay in the same place. Christmas is actually an, ev- an event. But a life with Jesus is a journey. It's a journey that he calls discipleship. And it's a walk and a walk with him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for our Lord Jesus. We thank you that in him you have broken in to this creation space that we occupy. You've broken in not to do harm, but broken in to bless. Broken in that you might free us from all the things that hold us. And so, Lord God, we pray that by the leading of your Holy Spirit and behind our Saviour Jesus, we might journey with him. That you who have broken us out might take us on this wonderful journey with him, changing us, renewing us, refreshing us, and as you have promised by your Spirit, conforming us more and more to the likeness of our Saviour Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen.